He is risen. That's what we're here to celebrate today, right? He's risen. He is risen. He's risen. No fooling around here. I, uh, how many of you know who Switchfoot is? Switchfoot, they, they sent, if you're on their email list, they sent out an email the other day, and uh, they said we, we have a, we're going back to the, our roots. And they, and they uh, did a remix of one of their old songs, and they, they turned it into like a scream, a screamo song. And I go like, oh, man, I'm never going to listen to you again if this is your new... This is your new direction. And then today I got an email saying, April Fools. <laughs> I go, okay, you got me there. But no, no fooling, though. Before Christ, before Christ was in my life, I was foolish. And if there's one thing that you know, we, we saw in our, our, our study in Titus is B.C., before Christ... We're foolish, we're disobedient, we're deceived. We have all kinds of trouble, but Jesus comes in and does something, changes us. Amen. He changes us. The, the scripture says in Psalm 14, the fool says in his heart, what? There is no God. That's what the fool says, you know. I, I, I was thinking about that. You know, you just have to look around. Did you, any of you see the moon rise last night? Oh, like, that just happened. All on its own. It sort of evolved into that, right? No. no. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. You, you look around at the creation and we see what God has done, what God has created. And it's amazing. It's incredible. So Christos Anesti, I have to say for my Greek friends, that means Christ is risen. And he conquered sin. And he conquered death. And death could not hold him. He conquered sin. He conquered death. And death could not hold him. I have a question for you today. I want to talk about scars. You say, that's a strange topic to talk about on Easter Sunday, isn't it? Well, I hope you see it. It kind of comes together. Patrick said this last week. He said, you know, to, to talk on a, on, a, on a holiday, you know, where everybody is so familiar with everything, it's difficult sometimes. So, so you know, you know, as you study and as you read and you pray and, and just to see. So let me ask you this. Just bear with me, if you will. Do you have any scars? Do any of you have any scars? Maybe, maybe that proverbial childhood fall on the coffee table. How many of you did that one? Yeah. I was going to say something, but I didn't want to make you feel. Still got that, you know, up here usually. Or maybe it was an accident that you had. Maybe you had some kind of surgery. The, the definition of a scar, though, is this. Let me read to you. This is from uh, Webster's. This is a scar now. A scar is a mark remaining after the injury is healed. A mark left, dictionary.com, a mark left by a healed wound. Okay, that's a scar. So there's a difference between a scar and a wound, right? A wound is like it's, it's still very much open. It's very much alive. It's very much, you know, painful. The scar is what's left over after the healing comes. So a scar, you know, for, for those that maybe had surgery, you know, it's kind of a reminder. It's kind of a proof of what you perhaps went through. I have a scar, you know. I, I had, most of you know this, I had open heart surgery. Uh, it's going to be 11 months now. 
11 months. Isn't that good? Yeah. And uh, I just started to be able to sleep on my side just in the last day or two. That is unbelievable. Anyways, I got a scar I'm going to show you. No, just kidding. I'm not going to show you. I, I do have a scar, though. I, I got a scar here. I could show you that one. You see that one there where they, where they cut and they took a piece of vein out of my arm. But, but you know, my skin doctor told me it was the best scar he'd ever seen, this one. But for me, it kind of proves what I went through. And, and I know that, that when I was in the middle of it, I could, I could just like, I was in denial, like this is not really happening to me after the surgery. This is not what I'm going through, but I had the scar to prove it, that it really did happen. But even if, even if we forget, even if we move on, we still have the scar. And, and what I want to say to you today is that Jesus has scars. Jesus has scars. The resurrected Jesus has scars. They're not wounds anymore, though, but they're scars. Reminders of the wound, reminders of what happened to him to prove what he went through for you and for me. So if you will turn with me, I want you to turn with me to John chapter 20 today. We're going to look at a, a resurrection appearances of Jesus, two of them specifically, after he rose from the dead. John chapter 20. And let's look at verse 19 and 20 for the first of the two appearances that I want to point out to you today. Others had seen him already. But in verse 19, it says, On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said what? Peace be with you. And after he said this, look what it says he did. He showed them his hands and his side. And the disciples, they were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. He showed them his hands and his side. The first thing, though, he says, he, it says, peace be with you. Now, we're going to talk about that at the end, this idea of peace. But then he shows, he shows them his, his hands and his side, specifically what was there. What was, why did he show them his hands and his side? What was there? A scar was there. It was proof. Proof of what? Proof that, number one, it really was him. Number two, that he really did what he said he was going to do. And it was proof of his love. Now this, I want to remind you of this, this is after his resurrection, right? And, and, and notice, he, he, he's got a resurrected body, and, and he... He came right through. The doors were locked. He couldn't get in. He came right. He was right there in their midst. So, so obviously he, was, he had the power. He, was, he had this powerful body that he could actually do those things. But the scars were still there. You have to think about that. The scars were still there. Even after his resurrection. Charles Spurgeon said this, I'll put it on the screen, it was to establish his identity, they were the trophies of his love, that we may never forget that he died for us. The death of Christ 
always before us. The scars were still there. Isaiah chapter 53, I'll put it on the screen. The words are a little small, but it says this, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities and the punishment that brought us what? Peace was upon him and by his wounds we are healed. By his wounds we are healed, by, by what he was inflicted on him. Now, when these disciples first saw him, I'll point this out, it says in the Gospel of Luke, that they were frightened. It, they thought it was a ghost. Like, how could this be? The door's locked, all of a sudden Jesus standing there in their midst. And he said to them at that time too, he said, why are you troubled? Why do doubts rise in your minds? So even the disciples, they, you know, they didn't always have it you know, right the first time too. It gives me hope should give us hope. But he said to this, he said to that group of of disciples, he said, look at my hands and my feet. Again, why did he say that? The scars were there. He says, it is I myself. Look, look at my hands, look at my feet. He said, touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. It was a very real resurrection of this body. It wasn't a ghost. It wasn't some kind of an apparition. It wasn't a spirit. It was a flesh and blood. And then he goes in and he eats as well, just to prove. I'll, if you want to prove it, you know, I'll have some fish and chips now. Well, it was fish. Maybe it wasn't chips, but it was fish. Right? Amen. Interesting thing uh, in heaven. It says this in the, in the book of Revelation chapter 5. It says this, Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. He saw a lamb. It was looking as if it had been slain. What, what do we see there? Scars. The lamb is Jesus Christ, of course. He, so even in heaven, we see that it's apparent, it's obvious that something had happened to him. Later in that same chapter, it says this, Worthy, in a loud voice they sang, Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Interesting uh, insight, I, I, I found this by a guy named Adrian Rogers. You, you all know who Adrian Rogers is? He's a preacher who, who's passed away uh, not that long ago, but he's actually still on the radio here, right? But he, he said this, the only man-made thing in heaven are the scars of Jesus there for all eternity. Isn't that interesting? The only man-made thing in heaven are the scars of Jesus, and they're there for all eternity. Now, Going back to this account here in the Gospel of John, there, there, one of the disciples wasn't there. Anybody know who that was? Thomas. Thomas was not there. Who said that? Extra. There's stuff back there today, really. It was Thomas, and he wasn't there. And, and Thomas, you know, he, we all know him, what, as Doubting Thomas. I think he could be called a few other things as well. But, but let's, let's jump down to verse 24, and we'll, we'll read there. 
It says, now Thomas called Didymus, one of the twins. He was, Didymus means twin. He was one of the twelve. He was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see what? The nail marks in his hands. And put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side. I will not believe it. I think he probably should be called Thomas the refuser. Thomas the stubborn one. I won't, he says. They told him. I mean, you know, he was, he was with these guys for like three years. And they said, we've seen the Lord. It's true. It's real. And I don't think he just came up with this idea thinking, you know, unless I see the place in his hand and the, the place in his side and I, and I touch it, I think it's because they told him, listen, when we saw Jesus, because that's what happened, we just read it, when they saw Jesus, Jesus showed them his hand inside. So I think they told him. We saw his hands inside and the, the scars were there. It's really him. It was him for sure. And what did Thomas say? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, and I put my finger where the nails were, and I put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. There's something about stubbornness of unbelief. I don't know about you, but you know there are times when, when, when every one of us, I think, struggles with that. As believers, when we say, I, I'm just not, I won't do it. I, I, I will not believe. But I think there's a place, too, before we come to Christ where we have this battle. There's this battle for our very souls, and we say, no, I, I'm not going to go there. Even though, even though I see convincing proofs in the, the lives of people around me, even though I see, I see convincing proofs in, the, in what the Bible says and what creation says, I, I will not believe. I'm not going to go there. Now, whose fault is that? I will not believe unless I see, unless I touch. Unless I see and touch what? The scars. Is that crazy? Do you ever think about this? The scars of Jesus. Look at verse 26. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. And though the doors were locked, the doors were still locked, Jesus came and stood among them, and he said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. And then Jesus told, told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. You know, I think we see a lot of grace and mercy of Jesus, don't you? You know, he could have said, Thomas, you're out. But he knew this was a holdup, this was a hang-up of Thomas's, and he came and he spoke directly to him, spoke directly to what his need was, directly to what his, you know, problem was. And I, I think it's like that with you and I, too. He comes to us. He knows what our needs are. And he comes and he will speak to you in a way that you can understand, in a way that you can understand, a way that I can understand. He, he came and spoke directly to Thomas. 
He said, Thomas, I wasn't here when you're saying those stupid things, but I heard you. And sometimes we say some pretty stupid things too, don't we? But he hears us, and he comes along and says, you know what, that was pretty dumb what you, what you just said. That's pretty dumb what you've been thinking. But he comes and he, and he meets us right in that place. And he says, look what he says to him. Put your finger here and see. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. He was alive. He was alive. Thomas had not believed it, but... Now we see here that Thomas was convinced. We don't know for sure if he actually touched Jesus. It doesn't say that, whether he did. Some artists show the picture of him actually touching in those spots, in those places. But he saw the scars, and he was convinced. His whole attitude changed. Look what happened. He he, his response was, you know, my Lord and my God, the scars and the love that he felt, the mercy and the grace that he felt, the, the fact that, that Jesus gave him a second chance, as it were, that he saw Jesus now alive in his life. And, and what he, what, the only thing that he could do, the only response that he could make was to humble himself and to worship before Jesus Christ. I like what Jesus said, though. He said, you, you need to reach out to me. You need to reach out to me. If you're not sure, if you don't know, reach out to me and you will find out. You will know for sure. It, you know, some of you may be struggling with doubts, struggling with, with even stubbornness, and Jesus says the same thing. Reach out to me and you will find out. He did it for me some 40 years ago. I wasn't totally sure, but I said, and I've said this over and over to, to you folks, you know, I said, Lord, if you really are who's, who they say you are, then, then, you know, prove yourself to me. Come into my life and, and show me. I wasn't even from Missouri. <laughs> and guess what? He did. Guess what he did? He showed himself to me, and, 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 and you know, my life was radically changed. My, my life is still changing. He's still working in my life. The, the good work that he begins on us, he, in us, he will continue until the day of Christ Jesus. So Thomas, there's a transformation. Talk about transformation, right? I will not believe. Unless I see, unless I touch, I will not believe. And then we see him now, he's... He's humbled before Jesus. He says, my Lord and my God. That's a big change, huh? He changes people's lives. He changes my life. He changes your life. David Guzik, uh, one of our pastor friends, he said this. There's a clear lesson. He said, when you want assurance, look to the wounds of Jesus. They are evidence of his love of his sacrifice, of his victory, and of his resurrection. You see, you know, when he was put in the tomb and when he was raised from the dead, the, the wounds were healed. They were still there, but they were healed. But I think it's, it's a picture, it's a mark 
The marks are there to show us how much He loves us. We're going to sing that at the end here in a few minutes. Pastor Chuck says, you know, that we, we, we go, you know, I just can't wait to see Jesus. And I think that's right. We say that, right? We think that. You know, I said it last night. I said, I, you know, this world is just so messed up. I can't wait for heaven. I want to go to heaven. But, but this idea of, you know, I just can't wait to see the face of Jesus. I can't wait to see him face to face. 1 Corinthians 15, excuse me, 13 says in the love chapter that we're going to see him face to face. Right now we just get a, a you know, kind of a, a, a darkened image, you know, in a glass that's kind of like fogged over. But one day we'll see him face to face. But, but Pastor Chuck says when we do see him, we, we will also be reminded. It'll be wonderful to see his face, but we will be reminded of what he did for us because the scars will still be there. I wonder if there'll be scars upon his forehead from the crown of thorns. You know, we saw that we saw that uh, a little bit I think in in our song with the kids today, but the the deaf have a sign for Jesus, don't they? And you know what it is? It's like this, the sign cuz it's the hands, it's the marks, the scars. That's that's how they tell one another. That's how they say Jesus. It's not something that's ever going to go away. Why? Because of what it did for you and what it did for me. This is where it all came together. I want you to turn with me to Isaiah chapter 53, and we'll, we'll finish up our picture there. But it's sort of in the middle of your Bible. You can find it easy. Just sort of open it to the middle, and, <clears throat> and it's going to be close by there not too far past the Psalms and Proverbs. Isaiah chapter 53. This was a prophecy that was given hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus ever came. The, we're not going to look at the whole passage, but it talks about the fact of, of what he went through in Isaiah chapter 52, the, 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 the things that, that uh, happened to him. But in Isaiah chapter 53, it talks about what uh, he went through. Look at, let's start in verse uh, 4. It says, Surely he took up our infirmities and he carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. The, the, the King James says he, he took up our griefs and he carried our sorrows. He took up our griefs. These words, you know, it's, it's not just our sin, but it's also our sickness, our disease, our griefs, our sorrows, our pains. All these things that he took upon himself. Number one, of course, it is, it, we'll see in the next verse, it's our sin he took. But he took so much more than that. As I've been thinking about this and studying about this, you know, the, the place of, of the cross and what Jesus Christ did for you and I is absolutely, it's mind-blowing. He took up all these things, our infirmities. He carried our sorrows. Verse 5, but he was pierced for our transgressions. 
He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. He took what? He was pierced. He was crushed. He took punishment. Why? He did that for us, for our sin. But look what it says in the middle, it, that in the middle of that, it brought us peace. When Jesus showed up there with those disciples after he was resurrected from the grave, what did he say to them? What were the words he brought them? He brought, he brought them twice to them. What did he say? Peace be with you. Peace be with you. You know, there, there's no way for you and I to know peace, to have peace without Jesus Christ. There's no way for you and I to know true lasting peace. We might have momentary peace, but, but, but true peace comes from Him. He says, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives. He brings you and I peace. How did He do it? He brings it through the cross. The cross. Notice what He says there, though. He says that by His wounds... What? We're healed. By his wounds, we're healed. Verse 6 says this, We all like sheep have gone astray, and each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Later on in the psalm, it talks uh, about the fact that he will see the light of life. He'll be resurrected to life. And, and he, is, he is not in the tomb anymore. He is not in the grave anymore. So through Jesus Christ and by Jesus Christ, by his life, by his death, and by his resurrection, you and I have the benefits of what he came to give us. Number one, peace. Number two, eternal life. Number three, we see here that we are healed. We are healed of what? We are healed of of the sickness of sin. But he heals us of a lot more than that, doesn't he? Again, it's way bigger than just that. And I know it personally. Number one we need to, to deal with is our sin. And the only way our sin is going to be uh, covered, the only way our sins are forgiven, paid for, is by the cross of Jesus as we come to him and we say, I need you. That's where we got to start. I need you. I believe in you. I accept you. I receive you into my life. It's the only way. That's the only way to get to heaven. We sang it in that new song. There's, there's only one who can save us. His name is Jesus. But in addition to that, you know, this idea about scars in our own lives and wounds in our own lives. Again, we have wounds and we have scars, and some of us have scars that the, the wound has healed. Some of us still have gaping wounds that have not been healed. And some of these wounds, I have to say, and some of the scars, are, some of them were because of our own sin. Some of them because of the sins of others in our own lives or those around us. I think you know what I'm talking about. I don't have to give too many examples on that. But I, th I think, I desperately think that we need healing. And I believe that Jesus heals us. I believe that he is the only one who can heal us. 
You know, way back, I'm not going to get weird on you here, but <clears throat> way back there was a thing called inner healing. Some of you have been around long enough to remember that. And any of you? I'm so old. <laughs> they had this thing called the inner healing. It's, it's like a movement. It's like, you know, like these weird things kind of come through the, the church. You know, they blow through, you know, and then they blow away because they're not based on truth. But it was this thing where, you know, you needed to get this inner healing. So what you would do, you would kind of go back to this thing that happened in your mind. And then, then you would picture Jesus standing there. It just got weird, right? So, but does that mean that Jesus doesn't heal today because some people got some weird things, some weird ideas going? No, I believe he does. He carried our infirmities, our sickness, our grief, our sorrow, and our sin. And I believe, and I know it personally, again, in my own life, and I've been healed inside of many, many things. I've been healed on the outside by the wounds that, by, by the wounds that have been afflicted, but there are still wounds that, that are still healing that I think God wants to heal in me still. Again, it's a good work that he's began in us that he will bring to completion on the day of Christ Jesus. So what is it? Only you know. Only I know what, what the real need is, is, is in me and, and, and what would be in you. So I want to say to you today that if you need healing, the resurrected Jesus the resurrected Jesus, you, you see the wounds. What will bring you healing? It's what he did on the cross. It's not going back and trying to make some kind of picture in your mind. It's coming to the cross, coming to Jesus Christ himself, and he says, reach out to me and see what I did for you. That I carried. I, reach out and see what I, look at the scars, look at the scars on my side. Reach out and touch me. I think that's where the healing comes. You know, uh, you hear this thing, again, it, it, these things can get like way off, and the, you've heard about generational curses. How many of you heard of that? And I don't know what your opinions are about that kind of thing. You know, there are some scriptures that talk about, you know, things getting passed from one generation to the next, and, and, and others, you know, then they make this whole giant thing where you've got to go through this whole ritual to break the generational curse and all that. I, 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 I read about it. I, I tried to do some research about, you know, what are these people trying to say and all that. And my conclusion at the end was, Jesus Christ is the one that's going to change you. Amen. Not going through some weird breaking this and doing that and doing, you know, going through this all. You come to Jesus Christ and, and you give him your heart and life and he will change you. He will break whatever came before you. He is not saying you have to carry on with what was before you. He says, I'm doing a new thing. You are a brand new creation. That's what he said to me. He said, you don't have to be like your forebears were. You know, my father was an alcoholic. His father was an alcoholic. His father was an alcoholic. His father is like generations of alcohol. But he said to me, I didn't hear a voice, but I believe he was saying this to me. You do not have to be like that because I'm doing a new work in you. Amen. 
Now, some of the things he's still working on me to change me, but it's a relationship with Jesus Christ that will change you, that can change you, that has changed you if you already come to him. I know this by personal experience. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. There's victory. That's where the victory is. You know, it's not a 12-step program, though I'm not against all those, but if you leave God out of it, good luck. But it's really a one-step program. You need to get right with Jesus and walk with Him. That's where victory is. And I'm talking serious, not just, okay, Jesus, come help me. I'm talking about serious like Thomas, down on your face. My Lord and my God, I can't do it. Look at me, I'm just a stubborn, doubting fool. By His wounds, we are healed. By His wounds, we are healed. I like what it says in Romans chapter 8. It says this, Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors. How? Through Him who loved us. In all these things, in all the things that we can face, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. He loves you. He loves me. We talked about that on Good Friday. It, Jesus loves you. He loves us. He loves me. And, and, and this is what makes it all possible. The, the whole thing, the whole picture from beginning to end is that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. It's all about love. It's all about the need that you and I have for love. We're going to pray. And, I, and I, want, I want it to be very personal for each one of you. In your own heart, in your own life, I want you to reach out to Him. I want you, maybe there's still things in your life. Maybe you've never come to Him to be healed, to be forgiven, to be cleansed from your sins. You reach out to Him and He says, and he says look, I love you. And I proved it. And I want you just to reach out to me. But maybe it's other stuff in your life, too, and, and you can come to him and you can reach out. He says, come to me. He's the same yesterday, today, and what? Forever. And he's here for you. He's here for me. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending your son Jesus for us. And I, and I know that we totally don't get the whole picture of what he actually did for us on that, on that Good Friday. And then the fact that he conquered sin and he conquered death by resurrecting, by being risen from the dead. And for all eternity, as we see him face to face, those who have believed in him, through all eternity will see the marks of love. That you loved me that much? You loved me that much that you gave your life for me? Father, I, I know there are people here who've never surrendered. They're, maybe they're like Thomas. I'm, I won't believe. I just won't. I'm not going to. And maybe you can get through, Lord. And maybe you're in a place here today where you want to simply say, yes, I, 
I want to give my life to Jesus today. If that's to you, you can pray with me. And simply say these words, Jesus, forgive me. I'm lost, I'm a sinner. And I need hope. Be my Savior today. Maybe others are just dealing with other stuff. and You're saved, you're born again, but you still need, you still need the touch of Jesus in your life. You can call out to him right now. And say, Jesus, I reach out to you. Heal me. Because of what you went through, the cross, the death, the burial, and the resurrection, the new life that comes can only come through you. Help me now. Well, we're still praying. Perhaps, uh, perhaps I just, just feel like maybe for you to be serious, I just want you to stand up right where you are. Stand up. I know we don't do this kind of thing very often, but everybody, keep your eyes closed. And if that's you, you just want to reach out to him, just stand up and say, I reach out to you, Jesus. Just stand up out of your seat and say, I'm serious about this. I want to reach out to you. I need you desperately, desperate for you, God. For what you did for me on the cross, I reach out to you. Let's all stand together. And dear Jesus, dear sweet, sweet Jesus, we are blown away by what you've done for us. How much you love us. How much you care for us. All that you carried, all that you did. The truth of who you are in our lives. Today, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we Let's sing together, shall we?